Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Tyne Warp. Calm down, yes? Still hungover? Still drinking, in fact? I'm your host, Harry Roy, and I'm joined, as ever, by Dan Wright and Alex Wood. It's been a week, uh, basically, since this all happened, and my word, what a time we've had. There's so much to talk about, as you can imagine. We'll start with Thursday, takeover day, cans day, whatever you want to call it. It was such a whirlwind of emotions. You know, I was crying one minute, then I was drinking outside St. James's Park the next. I was thankful to be one of the thousands outside the ground. You were as well, Dan, so I'm going to start with you. Just try and put into words what Thursday was like for you. Oh, it, it was mental, really, because I was at work, and to be honest, I didn't get as much done as I would usually on a Thursday. <laughs> I was I was I had a bit preoccupied, and I was thinking... I went, I went on my lunch break at two o'clock, went for a walk around the stadium. There's a few people gathering. I thought, mm, it, hopefully it gets announced before I finish work and I can head straight down. And then you go back and you see to- stories that there's like red red tape they need to get around or there's been that, a, late, yeah. a late delay and you're thinking, oh, if it's not if it's not today, I'll be a little bit gutted, like all this time waiting and you're thinking, today's the day, you're ready for it. And if it's not today, then... But then, just as I was leaving work, I seen, uh, I think it was Keith Downey say, or Pete Graves, one of the Skylots, say, tra- funds have been transferred, the shares have been transferred, we're just waiting on announcement now, it's done. So I was like, no, I'm not going home to get changed, straight at St. James's Park. Went to 
went to Shearer's bar, got myself a pint, and it was about hot, about a third through it, and I heard a massive roar and seen loads of people just sprint down the street. I was like, oh, that must be it then. Absolutely wonderful. Went out, went outside to join in, and yeah, it was just a, it just got better and better as the hours went on, as as more more cans got drunk, atmosphere got better. Just walking around with a like, I was walking around like Miguel Almiron with a smile on my face <laughs> constantly. And everyone was the same. It was just the it was just the best atmosphere. Like everyone was just everyone was just getting on, and everyone was like, "This this was like this is United. We are Newcastle United." And for a change, there was no there's no disagreements, there's nothing. It was just absolutely beautiful. A really really great day. Yeah, I'm the same. It, it hit me like a ton of bricks really when it got announced, because I had a piece ready to to post. I saw five eighteen. I still remember the minutes there, like from last week. <laughs> I remember just posting the article and just looking up Sky Sports News on my phone. I phoned my dad straight away because he was coming home from work and he was nearly crying on the phone. I literally turned <laughs> the phone off. I burst into tears myself because it means just so much to us and it means so much to me on so many different levels. Like we, I know people are saying we haven't got a club back. Trust us, we do after what we've been through with Ashley. And in terms of like how... But we us on here on this podcast, we've speculated about this takeover for God knows how long. Ever since we really started it, we started this journey since this whole takeover thing's gone on and to finally get the the resolution we wanted was incredible and the the scenes outside St James's Park I didn't get up there till about half seven because it was all quick turnaround had a friend who came down from Edinburgh straight from Scotland from uni home to to witness that and he says it's the best decision he's ever made and (laughs) it was it was just an incredible incredible night like I said like Dan I seen you up there Case of Carlin in hand. One of one of the lads who I went up with was going. Should we just get cans up there? Like, no, nah, there'll, there'll literally be no cans left in Newcastle. So we, we got some. No, before. mate, it was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like Shearer's bar had to close at half eight because they ran out of all drink. <laughs> half past eight. Half eight. The Tesco opposite the ground was closed by nine because I had no drink left. The Sainsbury's a few minute walks away. It was a choice of Foster's and Carlin. It's not exactly great, but it'll do. We got Stella, and I'm not gonna lie, I was hungover for 15 hours. <laughs> That's I think I was in. I went because my friends wanted to go out on Friday, which was the day after Cannes Day, and I said I'm not drinking, and I drove to the pub, so I was like I'm definitely not drinking. And I sat with a glass of coke in the beer garden outside, and I got over my hangover at half nine, just just to so how what them celebrations are like. But back to what it was like, Alex. Unfortunately, you weren't there because you were you were away, weren't you, in London? You wanted to pack in your castle shirt and your little trip to London with your missus, but she wouldn't let you. So what was it like for you then? Just uh, Yeah, it was a completely different side of it um, for, for a Newcastle United fan that doesn't live in Newcastle or um, isn't around the actual club. I... I live in Derby, so it's a it's a lot different. I go to university here, so it was a hell of a lot different. When the news actually broke, I was editing the podcast we did based on it. Yeah. So like <laughs> I was I was in the middle of our library doing uh, doing editing and doing that lot. Luckily, um, I, I knew that it was going to break any hour, so I had a had a can of Carlin in my bag. Um, literally crack that open in the library. And, yes. And, 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 I admire you so much for that. And and drank it during that, and then. Um, a couple of the lads texted me and said, right, we're going out because it's Cannes Day for you. And yeah, we went out and I celebrated it with a bunch of my mates, all of, the, all of whom are top six losers. So, like... <laughs> they were fair play to them for going out with you because I thought they'd be very bitter about this takeover as a lot of fans honestly, are. 
they were. They were so bitter about it. <laughs> but um, but we had fun about till one a.m. discussing how um, we're going to be going up against Manchester City with uh, Kylian Mbappe and um, and Haaland up front for the next ten years. So um, yeah, it, it was a really different thing. And obviously the the tweets that were coming through with uh, everybody celebrating and then obviously the the random Sam Bender's performance that just came up in front of. Uh, St James's as well uh, uh, was was incredible. So uh, I I'm really good. I missed it, but just seeing it, mate, was unbelievable. And it did it brought a tear to me. Either um, you guys got to celebrate it and be there. It was really a tremendously special day. And of course, with the celebration came a lot of um, criticism as well. A lot I find first of all, I find very unfair that Newcastle fans are having a finger pointed at them for celebrating this takeover. A lot of it is relief that Mike Ashley's gone, never mind that we've become the richest football club in the world. If you didn't already know that, we are the richest club in the world football. <laughs> uh, do you guys agree with me as well that I think a lot of the anger is pointed towards the fan base and we're easy targets at the minute because of everything that's happened, when really I feel that that anger of this deal in particular going through, we all know it's controversial, we don't need to get into it. This anger should be pointed at the Premier League and not at fans of, of a football club who have been starved of any ambition for 14 years just wanting and knowing they've got an opportunity and a ticket once again back to the top of English football I, I get it like I get why the rival fans are eager to have a, a swipe if you like because I do feel like there is an element of bitterness that I would feel towards say a club that I would view around us getting this opportunity to be something much better than what we currently are so I get it and also I was I was actually speaking to a, a Sunderland fan in town on probably day three or day four of my takeover bender. And and I was just, and he was just saying like, you lot are unbearable. I was like, do you know what? He's probably right. I would probably hate me if I was a different fan right oh, now. I agree as well. Because I've yeah. spoke of nothing else and it's like, oh, who was signing? So I, I get it. But as you, as you rightly say, it's misplaced. It's not actually about the things that they're saying it's about. It's just jealousy, bitterness. And I get that. But it's got nothing to do with anything that they're on about, in my opinion. I, I kind of agree. And I, I kind of see it the other the other side of it as well. The football cognoscenti, as, as I call them, the, the, the top six, the Premier League, the, the big-time journalists that aren't and don't cover this club week in, week out, want fans to be furious that this has happened. They want us to be absolutely annoyed. And yeah, in part, we should, and that's for another podcast and another conversation for a different day. Um, but, like, no, we shouldn't at the same time. We got rid of one bloke that basically sucks the soul out of all of us. Got nothing but depression and real big anger around a club and that's all been shattered away in less than 24 hours what Dan said earlier about in the front of the stadium celebrating and thousands of people there no one having one bit of anger towards each other no one doing that they're all just there for each other and celebrating that's what football is all about for me is that we all come together to support 11 lads on a football field no matter who we are where we're from whatever it is we all have a common cause and that's what that night was all about and that's why I, I, I see the arguments and I see what the football cognoscenti are saying but again I agree with Dan that it is kind of misplaced. It's the Premier League's rules, these guys have followed them and it's Richard Masters and co that have brought this on themselves really. 
Yeah, you're bang on, Alex, and it leads us on to, of course, fans, rival fans were angry, and these clubs are also very angry in the Premier League that this deal has gone through for a multitude of reasons I, I, I can imagine, but there was a meeting yesterday revealed in the Daily Mail last night that the 19 other Premier League clubs have had to, have gone in a meeting with the Premier League so they can explain why this takeover had gone through. We all know that this deal has been opposed by the likes of Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspur. And let's be real here, they are the six, sorry, they are the four of the six clubs who are most frightened of future competition and aren't owned by a state or don't have a huge, huge amount of backing that is going to go, you know, is going to last for the next 10 to 15 years. Let me understand that. One top flight executive told the Daily Mail last night that it comes back to the green-eyed monster and self-interest with Newcastle's owners promising significant investment in their pursuit of silverware. Uh, we're known that Everton, Manchester United and Tottenham were the most vocal in the call with the belief, among others, that their anger is centred around the prospect of increased competition for Champions League places. Simple question, lads. Is anyone really surprised? No, it's absolutely hilarious to be honest. Like, yes. there's there's a big newsflash. There's a new big player in town with deeper pockets than anyone else. Of course, they're not going to like it. It's absolutely pathetic. You expect it from fans of football clubs to be a bit bitter, but when you've got owners of football clubs and directors who aren't any better themselves complaining, it just it just it's an absolute. <laughs> it's just funny. Like, it's hilarious. How on earth they can do that with a straight face is honestly beyond me. Harry, you mentioned literally five of the six clubs that tried to join a Super League less than yeah. six months ago. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, yeah. and inevitably ruined football. Um, they, they tried to do this. Um, we were one of the most vocal clubs uh, at the Super League meeting. I believe it was us and Burnley that were one of the most vocal ones about how this would have a negative effect on the whole of football. Um, now, our, this move, this takeover, the PIF takeover, the Saudi Arabia takeover is good for the Premier League. Yes, it's terrible in sports washing and all that lot. As I said before, that's for another podcast. But this literally draws more eyes onto the Premier League. It means more people are buying it by a sky. It means more people are watching it. That is all that Richard Masters and them guys care about. They don't care about their competition for the Premier League places. Again, that's good for them. They don't care about what Everton are doing financial fair play-wise. Bearing in mind, if they don't get the Champions League in the next two years, they're most likely facing a transfer ban. Manchester United are exactly the same. The Clazers have taken nearly a billion pounds out of their club and not reinvested it in, in any way, shape or form. They've pocketed it. Man United fans are furious. The Glazers are now scratching their heads going, actually, probably we should have reinvested some of that money in our club and we're going to look even worse. So, yes, that's why those two are the most vocal and furious. And also, Spurs, Alex as well, to- Yeah, like you said, Tottenham, billion pound in debt and got a stadium to pay for. Do they really want more it. competition? That's exactly it. And Daniel Levy is one of the best mates of... Uh, of Richard Masters and also facing losing his biggest asset in in January, if not the summer, in Harry Kane. So like I, I don't really understand it. It is laughable, but as you said right at the very beginning of this, did we expect anything else? That's the thing. I'm not surprised by it at all. We've known throughout this takeover process that Tottenham in particular very very against the takeover. You can see why. Spurs have are a lot of money in debt. They've built a brand new stadium. They've built that stadium as a you know not just a shrine to the NFL but also to be competing in the Champions League and and having a, a mega rich Newcastle United isn't going to help that and to be honest I don't think there's anything 
you know, nothing's ever going to stop that. I think it's embarrassing on their behalf that, that they're trying to stop Newcastle from having lucrative sponsorship deals when half of these clubs have them themselves. There's no rule in place here to stop us from having one. And let's be real, Newcastle are going to have a lucrative sponsor on their shirt from next season. They will honour Fun 8 till the end of the season, but then I'm expecting maybe the new Saudi airline that's going to come out. It could potentially be Aramco, the Saudi oil company, or maybe something like Visit Saudi. You're going to have something on the front of the shirt, and the chances are it is going to be a north of £50 million deal, which of course will help. A financial fair play woes. But before we get on to anything regarding financial fair play, there's so much to do, so little time, and these owners have, it's, like we said, it's, it's a whirlwind. Everything happened so quickly, I don't even think the buyers themselves thought they would get the keys so quickly. Everything's been rushed through. Steve Bruce is still in charge of the club as we are recording this podcast. This may have changed, and the chances are it may have changed uh, before this is released tomorrow. But they've got nothing in place. We've heard so many rumours of players, and half of it, it, it it's agent talk. We know that the key roles they're looking to get filled are a new director of football, a new sporting director, and of course a manager to replace Steve Bruce. Dan, what have you made of of all these rumours? Because there's been some incredible people linked, not just from a managerial point of view, but from you know sporting directors, director of football, likes of Luis Campos, Ralph Ranić. These are top, top class directors who have worked at the very, very top of our game and they're being linked with little old Newcastle United who <laughs> a week ago, sorry, let's say a week and two days ago, didn't even have a board and the man who was running the club was the man who used to be the T-boy in Lee Charnley. So how crazy is this? Oh, it's it's bizarre and I, I think, <laughs> obviously, I'm wise enough to know that certainly the player links anyway don't take any notice of them whatsoever because... It's just the agents talking. They're not Newcastle probably haven't even thought about players until they've got someone to look at the players because I doubt the likes of Amanda Stavely and Murdad Gadusi, who's seem to be running the club at the minute, are going to have that much of a say on the playing staff. I might be wrong, but that's the way I'm looking at it. So I don't, you don't take any notice. But it's just great reading like the BBC Sport gossip column and seeing about a page full of Newcastle r- rumours all linked to top top players. Like I mean, in January maybe we've got. Or in the previous window, we maybe got one line, and it was about a loan deal that we may or may not have enough to. Hamza Chowdhury. We might have enough to get Axel Twanzebi's loan fee or Hamza Chowdhury's loan fee, which obviously we didn't in the end. So it's just surreal. It's enjoyable, but don't pay too much attention to it. In terms of the CEO or director, I think that is the role that is ultimately at the minute maybe the most important because I don't think you want to get a manager in before you get a director of football in, because I think you want the director of football or what, or the sporting director or whatever the title will be to have a, a big say in who's going to be managing the football team. So that that for me is massive. And I, I don't think until they're, they, they're installed, I don't think you can give much thought to the even like the odds for managers, odds for players, because it, it could all change. And I, and I think we've just got to sit tight. Like you say, they didn't expect to have the keys yet. They were, they were ready to go 18 months ago. They had a manager in place. They had... That that's not the case anymore. But they're gonna to have to be a bit patient. Maybe it's a good thing that we're not in January. They've got they've got a few months to get the house in order, get the right people in, and hopefully attack the January transfer window because we need it. Just had some breaking news. Uh, while I'm on air here, Brendan Rodgers will not be leaving Leicester for Newcastle if and when Steve Bruce is sacked. He has no interest in the job and is fully committed to Leicester City. 
Because I was just about to get on there and talk about Rogers, and we heard lots of rumours about the day of a certain chief executive they want. I think he, he works at Manchester City. I, I couldn't tell you his name off the top of the head. Brendan Rogers has been the short price favourite for the job all week. He's I'm surprised at how short he's been because, like I've said from day one, I personally don't see him leaving Leicester. There are two or three years I'd see ahead of us at the minute, and confirmed there by uh, John Percy in the Telegraph, who's got fantastic links to Leicester City Football Club. No interest in leaving the job, so we can scratch him off the list. Alex, manager, Newcastle United, who do you want? I personally think that um, now that Dan said that, um, and I didn't even think about the director of football role, actually, to be honest with you, but now that um, the director of football role is discussed and if he's going to have such a giant say, um, then Steve Bruce is probably the more, more likely to stay in his job until we get one. So we get a director of football in, or we give a stopgap person like Eddie Howe the job, or, um, yeah, we give a stopgap person like Eddie Howe the job, £3 million pounds keeping us up. Thank you very much, son. See you on your way. And then we get someone in. Like um, I've seen the two linked that I think would be perfect, um, Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard. Yes, many people have said Frank Lampard can't um, organise a defence for history, but that Chelsea team was so good to watch. It was brilliant to watch, not only for the football they played, but just the fireworks that were happening on and off the field. And obviously, as we remember, Chelsea have a history of throwing managers under the bus early and not really giving them time to fix what they made a mess. So I, I think Lampard would be perfect. I think it'd be a great proving ground for him. Um, yeah, I want Frank Lampard, really. In the same I'm breath not... regarding Lampard, yeah. I think you're going to see the same thing as me here. Yeah, Dan, is I'll that... let you say it. Yeah, <laughs> first of all, much better defence than Newcastle had and, and struggled to organise that with Chelsea. Was sacked around, I want to say, I think he was sacked around December time, wasn't he? And the city mm. had them nigh on mid-table. Thomas Tuchel came in and the rest history. He won the Champions League and got them top four. When Newcastle are in a relegation dogfight, which they are at the minute, they need someone with experience of in and around the mid-table and the bottom three. And, and they need someone like Brendan Rodgers, which they unfortunately can't get. So I just don't think Lampard is the answer. They need someone with a proven track record of getting results in the Premier League. And the only manager I can think of that is somewhat attainable to the club at the minute is Graham Potter. And he'd absolutely be my number one choice. I think he's a future England manager when, when Southgate decides to call it a day. Tactically fantastic and working wonders with a Brighton side, which I would say is nowhere near as good as Newcastle's. It may sound controversial, but I do believe that. I am yet to fully be convinced of Graham Potter. I would, I would happily be proven wrong. I'll happily sit on this podcast six months later and go, Harry, you were right. Graham Potter's a genius. Um, I'd happily do that, um, but personally, I just don't see it. No, I'm, I, I think Graham Potter, the job he's doing so far this season is, is excellent. And the football they play is so much better than the football we play. He certainly fits the bill in terms of the type of football we would want to play. And maybe with Brighton, I'd had better players, especially in the attacking areas. They would have scored a hell of a lot more goals with the chances they've created. And they would have finished higher in the league. But the fact that Steve Bruce's Newcastle side finished ahead of them the past two seasons, it, I'm not completely sold on the idea. I would certainly take him though. I'm just looking at the odds now and there's they either look completely unrealistic, you know, Antonio Conte there, um, Lucien Favre, not someone I know a lot about. I've heard a rumour that him and St Maximum don't get on, so that might not, yeah, that might not go well. down too well. Then you've got your Roberto Martinez, completely would underwhelm me. 
No, we were on the Stephen Gerrard doesn't look like he's going to leave Glasgow. We were talking about Martinez the other day yeah. on the Babel Football Podcast, and one of the lads turned around and said he's got one like tactical idea, and that's it. He'll not change it up during the game. He just sticks with that. And Everton fans really, really dislike Martinez, and he got Wigan Athletic relegated. I know he won an FA Cup, but I just think that'll be an underwhelming appointment. Albeit mm. he's got a very exotic name, uh, but managerial yeah. is such a such a difficult one for the club. They're in such a bad predicament because if this happened in the summer. We all know Rafa Benitez would have been the manager. And now mm-hmm. they're stuck, you know, 19th in the table. A lot of managers maybe a little bit frightened of, of the job. Steven Gerrard, I must say, you know, he might become the manager, but it sounds very much like he wants to stay uh, at Rangers, which I'm very surprised that I think he should be, if he's got the opportunity to come to Newcastle, he should take with both hands. But mm-hmm. I think he's going to hang around in Scotland until Klopp leaves Liverpool, which maybe it's a bit of a cop-out no pun intended but it's yeah it's it's a very very difficult role to fill I think they may go abroad but it's going to depend on a sporting director and I think Graham Jones might be in charge of the club for the foreseeable future but it might even be Steve Bruce he's still not been sacked like we said this is a very fluid situation we're at the minute it may change in an hour it may change tomorrow we don't know but as it stands he's in in place to to take charge of his thousandth game in management on Sunday. Huge occasion for him, of course, and I'm sure he'd want the game against Tottenham. Uh, We've heard from, well, we've heard rumours that the consortium probably want to get rid of him before Sunday. They don't want the negative energy inside the stadium, which I'm sure, regardless of how big the day is for Newcastle fans on Sunday, if we do go 1-0 down, you will hear Bruce out chance. So, lads, I must say I'm, I'm stuck in the middle with this like do I want to give him the thousandth game I don't think we really owe him anything but we've got no one in place to come in so what harm is there other than fan unrest to keep him around for just another week or so well I think there is a chance that having Steve Bruce in that particular area could actually disadvantage us of getting any points against Tottenham and when we are 19th in the Premier League there's no room for sentiment in football anyway but when you're 19th in the Premier League with zero wins from eight games in all competition, there's certainly no sentiment. I wanted him out after the Wolves game when there wasn't a takeover, when we didn't have the riches and we could get a better calibre of manager. I certainly think now, just for the whole atmosphere of the day, it might it's harsh, of course it's harsh, but I would genuinely rather have your assistant manager and Graham Jones sat in the dugout because I, I don't see what he's offering to the table at the minute. And it, of course, it happens to come just before landmark, landmark, which isn't isn't ideal for him. But yeah, there's no room for sentiment. I think if it was me, I would just pay him his money. He'll walk away happy. He can walk away saying he's done a decent job, I guess, in his mind. He hasn't taken Newcastle down. Yeah, that that's my opinion on the on the matter. It's a it's a difficult one because um like. Obviously, the new owners don't want to upset the apple cart too much, and uh, that that would be a very, very strong and correct decision from them. Um, obviously, giving him giving him his thousandth game and then saying right goodbye would be just genuinely a decent thing to do to the human being. Um, he is a boyhood fan of the club. Obviously, everybody remembers that he shoves it in our faces long enough. So yeah, like Bowman's given the Spurs game. If we lose the Spurs game, then by by Steve Bruce, Graham Jones will have it to the to the end of the season till we get somebody better in, or till January till we get somebody better in. Or uh, if we win the Spurs game, right? Well, Steve, you've done it once. Let's keep it going and then see how we do uh, until January. What what real harm can you put us in? It's one of them. They they know the situation better than us. Um, but obviously, 
training seems to have been able to be run whilst he was in all these meetings over these last couple of days. So like Graham Jones can possibly do a fine job. I'm I'm torn. I, I, like as Dan said previously, um, I think getting the director of football in now is the most important job. Um, and then if Steve Bruce and Graham Jones aren't doing too much of a worse job, what's the point of paying three million pounds an hour or three million pounds a month down the line? What's the point of that? Yeah, I think the best move the consortium should make, and I don't know whether you guys would agree with me on this one, is Stavely comes out or whoever, they come out with the fans in a statement and say, look, this is Steve Bruce's final game in charge on Sunday. It's his thousandth game. You'll be leaving after this regardless. Going to ask all the fans to get behind him and the players. What would your reaction be to that? Because I would go, fair enough, he's gone after this game. If he wins the Spurs match, he can somewhat leave with his head held high. And like you said, Dan, in his head, he's done an all right job because he's not relegated the club. Yeah, I would be behind that. I think I think that kind of communication would be good. I'm not sure. Would Steve Bruce go for that? If I, I guess he would. I, I yeah, think he wants I his, he his landmark game. I think he, he probably would want to say, yeah, I'm here for one last game fine see years later uh, i think that would be nice i think the atmosphere will be just so electric regardless to be honest i, I really even if i go one nil down I, I genuinely genuinely don't think there'll be any anger at, at, in the stadium at all at steve bruce or otherwise i think it'll just be an absolutely amazing day we could get beat 2-0 3-0 i still think it's going to be one of the best atmospheres and one of the best days i've ever had at st james's park i think the weight that mike ashley guns lifted is just incredible and pe- if Steve Bruce is still there, Steve Bruce is still there. He's not going to be there for very long. I'm just going to enjoy it, regardless of what happens, regardless who's done in the technical area. I think it's going to be a fantastic day. Yeah, and with the return of War Flags as well. All right, sorry, Harry, I'm nicking your, your move on <laughs> and your, your segue no uh, out of the way. And the return of War Flags, the fact that um, the PIF sporting director is coming over here, it, it literally will be um, massive. There will be. Um, a load of robes there, there will be flags, there will be banners, there'll be support, there'll be cheer, there'll be a sold out thing and then there'll all be um, maybe some anti-top six chants, maybe some anti-Daniel Levy chants and then obviously if we go 1-0 down maybe some anti-Steve Bruce chants but it will be another repeat of Cannes Day, it'll be great um, and I'm I'm really jealous of anyone that's going to the, this weekend. I'm wounded, put I can't it. get a ticket. I'm absolutely good. I've got a ticket for the Chelsea game, but I, I couldn't nice, get a ticket nice. for I'm, I'm wounded, but yes. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be at home working on the live for Vavil. So don't <laughs> worry, lads. I'll be doing my bit work while you enjoy the match. So It'll it, be it, class-like. It's going class. to be absolutely unreal. I'm jealous of every single person going. I hope they've got something special lined up. I'd love to see Kevin Keegan be introduced yeah. or be brought back to the club on the centre circle. I know Alan Shearer is not going to be there this weekend. He's got... TV commitments uh, with the Premier League, unfortunately, he ain't going to be there. Uh, like you said, Dan, I just don't think that even Bruce being there can spoil the atmosphere. Nah, definitely not. I, I'm, I'm, who's really going to care? It's a day to let out emotion. It's going to be the most electric St James's Park has been since a derby day, I would say. Maybe even bigger than that. This is, this is such a huge game and it, it kind of leads us on to chatting about Spurs as well because I think... There's not many teams you'd want this game to be against than them. I know they're a better side than us. I know they've got some fantastic players. But traditionally, Newcastle have always done quite well against Tottenham, especially at home. And with everything that's gone on between Daniel Levy and this football club, and just uh, the way that Spurs are, they're a very hit-and-miss side. They got thumped off Arsenal. 
Palace beat them 3-0. I really fancy us to win this game. I know we've not won a game all season. We're in a dire situation, but this day will be topped off with three points. I'm adamant of that, and I hope you guys feel the same. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I generally think we'll win. I think they've got better. They've got better football players than us. That's a fact. And it might be a bit fanciful and a bit in dreamland to think that the atmosphere will have as big of an impact as I'm expecting it to. But I fully think the crowd and the the whole atmosphere, it doesn't matter who's in the dugout, will be a 12th man. And I think it will carry Newcastle a victory 2-0, 3-0. I don't know. I just think we'll win. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I, I'd love to say and sit here and be like three points is on the board, but that, this is football. I, I can't say it. I personally think we'll get a draw off him because um, Harry Kane always scores against us. I know he hasn't scored in, in um, this season. I know he hasn't done well, you it. You know he's going to do I it against us now, don't you? He, he is going to do it against us. It's Harry Kane. Um, and what a perfect audition sheet scoring against Newcastle United. Everybody <laughs> already knows it. It's absolutely fine. Um, but no, I, th- I, I, I think a one-all draw is completely fine. Um, and I think we, we'd probably have taken that before the takeover if we've got one or draw against Spurs. Uh, we've got to kind of be realistic about the football and who's in charge and the actual players we have. I know the big boost is there, but I think the crowd is really going to be electric and it's going to re-put Newcastle back on the ma- map and make everybody remember, hang on a minute, this is one of the best stadiums in the in the country. Yeah, it's, I'm torn between... I, I think I'd be quite happy with a draw. Like It is Tottenham. They're going to be pushing for Europe this season. We're looking to stay up. I'd be pretty happy with the draw, but I just I've I've been saying since this takeover gone through, we are going to beat Spurs, and I fancy us to win three two. I think it's going to be a thrilling game to match the atmosphere. It's going to be a lot of twists, a lot of turns. But I, I fancy us to win the game. But what we are going to move on to now is we hinted at it at the start of the podcast. Is we've I've told the lads, me included, hundred million pound budget. Post-January, Newcastle United starting 11. So, Dan, I'll go with you. The floor is yours. Right, well, it was, it's obviously difficult because it's hard knowing the value of players beforehand, let alone now we're the richest club in the world. There's going to be a bit of tax added onto that. So I think what I've tried to do is think players that we might be able to get on loan to start with for the £100 million and players that are running out of contract or at the likes of Barcelona where basically they're skint. They need some money. We've got money. Let's we can do a deal here. So in goal, there's no reason to get rid of De Bravka. I think he's a more than good enough goalkeeper. Right back, yep. Yeah. Yeah, right back. I mean, I've I've kept Mankiw. I did toy with the idea of bringing Kier and Trippier back to England, but I think if we're talking hundred million budget, that's a big chunk he's for a right back, 40, isn't it? 45, 35, yeah. 40 minimum. And then the first signing is Burnley's James Tarkovsky who I think would be a tremendous sign. I think it's criminal. He's only got two caps for England, actually. I think he's a really solid defender. And out of contract end of the season, should be around 10 million out of contract. I think with Newcastle and with Burnley being in a relegation battle, I think you're more likely to look towards 15, maybe even 20 million pounds for his services. Um, I think he's a really good player. And I think alongside him, I've gone for Fabian Shaw, which is a bit risky putting him in a four, because I've gone for four. But I just think he's he's better, and I think with the players with slightly better team around him, I think, and we're playing attack. I think he won't have to do quite. He won't be exposed quite as much, and I think his passing ability will be be great to make up the back four. Other than Ben Chilwell, who 
no, if I've got £100 million budget, I'm not wasting half or more on an off-back. Maybe £60 million, Ben Chilwell. Yeah, probably. So, I mean, I've got I've got Paul Dummett, who I think should captain this team. If he's fit, he's class. Like, <laughs> that's it. Captain. And then moving to a two-man midfield, and I think we all, we're all going to have Joe Willock, right? We're not getting rid of... We're not getting rid of Joe oh, Willock. Willickson, yeah. Um, and then I've brought Jorginho Wijnaldum back because he's not getting a game. I've thought, let's get him on loan. Let's not spend huge amounts of money on him just yet. Let's see, see him back loan fee. I've gone estimate. I said €5 million. You reckon more nearer €10 million for that sort of Wijnaldum. loan fee? Well, considering yeah. PSG or Qatar and West Saudi, maybe ten to fifteen. Yeah, so that's it's expensive for a loan, but I mean, we've got money; it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then, forty-three-one kind of thing. The only survivor is Ansett Maximum, obviously. The the bloke is world class, and to go alongside him, I I thought Jesse Lingard, he did incredible at West Ham, and I think Newcastle's a type of club that he could come and do similar kind of things that. How much we're talking again, similar to Tarkowski, probably should be in this sort of fifteen million pound region with him with not having left to his contract. I think add another ten million on that just because it's Newcastle. I think yeah. twenty five million seems realistic. Add twenty I'd, to be fair, like Alex yeah. thinks twenty five, but I think you know he's, if he doesn't sign a contract, he's literally going to go for say for free in six months. I'm sure Man United wouldn't mind netting you know twenty million from us for him. And uh, this is where I've. As if what I've said already isn't stupid enough. I've Philip Coutinho, anyone? Barcelona, <laughs> Barcelona. It's it's. Where did you see mine, Dad? Where did you see mine? Oh, it's absolutely stupid. Like, how on earth is this even a thing that we're saying on an actual? Imagine pop? this two weeks ago, lads. Um, I've, I've heard we can get him for around forty million pounds, just more. I mean, Barcelona need money. We've got money. Let's let's do the deal, boys. And then up front, there's no massive reason to replace Callum Wilson but I think we we all know we need reinforcements up there so what about Luka Jovic on loan mate that's he's, a shout he's spent time at Real Madrid he's not really had a look in and he's had a few quite successful well he's had a successful loan spell I think he went out on loan last January did yeah, he quite back, well did he go back to Germany he did didn't he yeah I think so yeah so I, I, again how much you're talking 5-10 million yeah, for the loan fee so. I think he's the type of player you could pay the loan fee see how he gets on I reckon with the opportunities had at Real Madrid, I don't think they'd be too fussed about putting an obligation to buy or an option to buy. So yeah, I think I'm under £100 million budget there with, and we've got some good players and in real life, we could actually have more than £100 million, so you never know. How much you spent there? So let's, if we go Tarkovsky, 15, 25, 50. Oh, I'm not that under budget. If Luka Jovic is a £10 million loan fee, that's exactly 100 actually. I think you've nailed that, to be fair. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Alex has come up with. The man's Mr. Staff. I reckon he's got a quality team. Let's hear it. Um, I've kept Matt Dubravka in goal as uh, as normal. I've got Matt Ritchie um, in centre back. Centre uh, back. Sorry, left back. Centre back. <laughs> <In left -back. laughs> getting relegated there. Nearly, nearly gave you guys a heart attack. I've got Matt Ritchie left back. Um, I just think we need passion and um, absolute just guts. Um, I think Martin Dubravko probably captain the side with Matt Ritchie being the vice captain. Um, I've got Bubakar Kamara in the centre of um, defence because he can play both centre defence and yeah. holding midfield. Um, I've got James Tarkovsky next to him. Um, again, Kamara's going to be around about £20 million. I've got James Tarkovsky, 15, 20 million. And then I've got Manquio next to him because he's having a really good season this year. Uh, he's actually ranking within the top seven right backs of the league. So very good stuff from Javier Manquillo. 
Then I've got a three of midfield. I've got Jesse Lingard, again for the 2025 mil. Um, next to him is Joe Willock. And then just pivoting behind them, I've kept Isaac Hayden in there because, again, he's ranking up there with your Declan Weisses and um, your Bissoumas nice. from Brighton. He's absolutely incredible. Then I've got a front three. Uh, obviously, I've kept Alan St. Maximan in. Um, and the two players that I've brought in alongside them, yes, I agree with Dan. Wilson's probably going to be fit, but we don't know how, how much. So a player we've been linked with quite a lot and has refused to just sign a new deal is Andrea Bellotti. Ooh. Oh. Him and, the thing is, him and Immobile, Immobile was linked a lot last year. Um, so uh, Andrea Bellotti, and I've gone £15 million because, again, his contract runs out in the summer. So... Um, the TV deal over in Italy is a mess right now, so they'll kind of just be happy to get any, any money for anybody, really. Um, and another player that uh, is from Italy, but this is from a bigger club in, in Italy, and they're kind of in the mud this year because they're really kind of going through a rebuilding period, and that is Juventus, and I've gone Bernadeschi. Ooh. Ooh. Mate, you've nailed that. How much have you spent there? I'm sure that's over 100. No, that's 95 million. 95 million. Uh, Tell you what, Kamara, that's... 20. James yeah, Tarkovsky, 20. Lingard, 20. 25, Belotti 15, Bernadeschi 15. That is 95 million. Bernadeschi for 15 million. Well, he's out of contract in the summer. Oh, is he? Fair enough. Fair enough. Right, well, onto my team. So, formation is uh, 4 2 3 1. I've gone with Debravka in goal. We're all unanimous on that. Right back, first signing and the biggest signing in terms of a transfer fee Max Ahrens from Norwich. Look, he was linked with Bayern Munich a couple of years ago. Solid, young, English right back. I think 30 million. Maybe even be less than that, but relegation tax, Premier League tax, English tax, Newcastle tax, 30 million. Two centre-offs, Jamal Lascelles in the side and will captain alongside James Tarkovsky. We've all got Tarkovsky, looks like he's going to be probably the first signing of the new era. 15 million, I think, will be enough. He's out of contract in the summer. I've stuck with Matt Ritchie at left-back for passion purposes only, and he's actually created a lot of chances from left-back this season. Obviously, there's worries about in terms of him defensively but when he's got Tarkovsky and Aaron's there I think that'll do him the world of good holding midfielders Joe Willock for me absolutely and Bubakar Kamara alongside him Kamara we were linked with him on deadline day famously didn't look like he didn't want to sign mm. for us on loan but things have changed and <laughs> I, I think a favour around 20 million could prize him from Marseille lots of financial issues in France and we can take real advantage of that on the wings Saint Maximan on one side and on the other side, Felipe Coutinho. Yes. Oh. On loan though, to where compensate oh. for the huge loan for the huge transfer fees we, we we've spent on the rest of the team. Uh, I think a ten million loan fee from Barcelona, maybe with an option to buy for an extra forty on top of that. I'm sure Barca would probably take that in their financial plight they're in at the minute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Lingard, um, in behind Callum Wilson is the last player I've gone for. Uh, well, I've heard fifteen, but probably going to be 20 or 25 and that takes us to if Tarkovsky's 15 Aaron's is 30 Lingard and Kamara are 20 and Coutinho's loan fee is 10 that is a 95 million pound spend and I think if any of if any of you know Amanda Stavely if you listen to this <laughs> if you've got 100 million to spend have a look at some of the plays we've just suggested to you there because we will shoot up the league and it just shows as well that a few players into this side doesn't take a lot, and you're not you're you know you're not far off top ten even pushing towards them bottom half. You know your Europa League places as well. It, it's mad, isn't mm. it? 
Yeah, I mean, the first sort of couple of transfer windows are just going to be like this, sort of gradually building. And when you've got a level of squad, then that's when I feel like you're going to go for your superstars. I do think there will be one marquee signing. And obviously, me and you have both sort of, you'd probably say Coutinho will be that, that massive yeah, name. Yeah, I agree. I, think, I, don't know, I don't know if it'll definitely be Coutinho, um, but I do think there'll be one player that just makes everyone go, wow, like that's, he's playing for Newcastle United in the Premier League. That's mental. In terms of Saudi relations as well, like yeah, know, they've, got, they've got to try and sell the club to the Saudi people as yeah. well, and they're going to want a big name. And Coutinho's arguably one of the biggest names in football. I mean, he set the world alight for Liverpool. Hundred and forty million pound transfer, yeah. I think it was to to Barcelona, and you know he's had his injury troubles, but what a player he is on his day. And I had a Sunderland fan, uh, one, of, one of my mates in uni, who was saying to us today. You know, I think Coutinho would be rubbish for you. And I said, like, mate, have you seen our team at the minute? <laughs> of course, Coutinho <laughs> would be quality. But yeah. I think we ought to end the podcast on that. We've we've covered nearly everything that's happened in this manic week in the space of just under 45 minutes. I think we've done a good job. I hope you enjoyed the little bit at the end there, the Dream 11, I'm hoping that is going to be reality. Hopefully not with 100, though. Maybe 150. Yeah, it's a bit uh, tight, that, isn't it? A bit tight, I know, I know. But, <laughs> you know, but thanks to, to Dan and Alex as ever for coming on. But this has been Time Warp, brought to you by Vavil UK. Make sure you do check out our website for our comprehensive coverage of the richest club in world football, Newcastle United, as well as the rest of the Premier League and the AFL. From us three lads, thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.